Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Well, let's get started this morning. I am, like I said, I'm, I'm super grateful for the opportunity to preach. When Pastor Ed asked me if I would do this, I was like, for sure, absolutely. Um, you know, ha- having that, you know, giving them that opportunity for rest and, and all of that, and be able to speak, especially when we get to honor our graduates, our, our, our next gen of of people that I believe in very, very much. And so. Uh, I'm really excited to be able to do that this morning. And so when he asked me to preach, I wanted to share a word that would maybe resonate with our graduates, but I still felt like God had put something on my heart that was for all of us, something that would push us and, 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 and speak to everyone in this room this morning. And so uh, this morning we're going to talk about uh, what it means uh, in, a, in, a, in a sermon titled Making History. So the idea of making history, uh, as I was working on this, there's something that I believe in my whole heart, something that I've just seen and experienced my entire life, is I believe that all of us at some point or time in our life, there's been a desire uh, to be known, right? There's been this desire uh, to, to be famous, I mean, I can think even of myself, there was a time, and, and, and my family loved telling the story about me when I was like three and four years old, um, I wanted to be Garth Brooks more than anything in the world. Like, that's just who, I, I, that's what I thought I was going to be. Like, I had, I couldn't really speak that well. I didn't have a guitar. I had a guitar, and it was my guitar, and I had the little strap on it. And I never missed an opportunity to sit my entire family into, like, our little living room space, and I couldn't just stand there. I had to, like, make an entrance. I'd go stand back in the bedroom behind the hallway, and I'd, you know, get the music playing, and I'd come running out like I was Garth Brooks playing my, my guitar and singing really loud. That, that I feel like, and we've, we've seen that, and everyone, there's somebody, right? It could be a singer, songwriter, actor, musician, athlete, that we look at this idea of being famous and being known and having huge crowds of people cheering for us or, or people just knowing who we are, that there's been something inside of us where, where this sort of resonates with us. And I feel like in today's world, that's only become more heightened, I feel like with our, our, our students now, and our, really, I, I, we see it young adults, we see it all over the place, the idea of being famous has actually become easier. Uh, if you look at things like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, the, the ability to go viral, the ability to be known, it, it's, 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 it seems fairly achievable. And so it becomes extremely desirable. That we see, it's like, hey, you, want, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, oh, I want to be, a, I want to be a, a, a YouTube star. I want to be a, I, I want to be this. I want to be that. I would never show this video because my daughter would kill me. But we have uh, in our possession, um, Kaylee, at like six or seven years old, she had an iPad, like I think an old iPad of mine, and she would like play her games and she would have different stuff on it. And we found her. She would sit in her room and make videos. And she would prop her little thing up, and she had her little books, like Green Eggs and Ham or something, right? And she would record herself, like, reading the book, but giving, like, a, you know, like, her own, like, you know, this is, this is what I thought about the book, and this is my opinion. You guys should buy it. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe. Make sure you share. Make sure you put, like, and at, like, six years old, and I'm like, I'm like, what in the world? And then for years, she'd be like, oh, yeah, Dad, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be this. I want to be that. And, uh, you know, I want to be famous, 
And why wouldn't you want to be famous, right? Like, let's be fair, let's be honest, and we think about the idea of the fame, the fortune, being known. Who doesn't want to walk into the diner and have someone buy your meal, or people come up and be like, oh, I know you, and take your picture, and all this kind of stuff? Like, I get the idea. Like, the premise of it, it 100% makes sense. But as I'm studying, working on this message, and working on, on, on all of this, something that I found that stuck out to me, there is something, honestly, That's greater than being famous, whether we see it or recognize it or realize it, but there is something greater than being famous. The one thing I found that's better than being famous is being remembered. Truly being remembered. Let me explain. Like being a YouTube star, being an athlete, being, you know, an actor, actress, musician, all this stuff, that's really cool. That's really great. But what happens when your 15 minutes is up? Like, what happens when your fame starts to dwindle? And it doesn't matter who you are, that fame will eventually dwindle. I'll be transparent with my family this morning. I am guilty of watching terrible television shows. Like, anybody just watch dumb TV, like, for the sake of just dumb TV? If it's just me, that's fine. I'm guilty of watching really dumb TV shows. And so, this isn't even in my notes. I actually found this literally two days ago. I was watching something dumb on TV. They made a reality show, and I don't know that this is, I'm not, whatever. Stars on Mars. Oh, I'm not the only one that watches dumb TV. Cool. All right, some of y'all know that. Good. So I look at this stars on Mars and basically what it is a reality show and they take a bunch of like pseudo celebrity athletes and stuff and they dress them up like astronauts and they pretend to like survive on Mars. It, it sounds dumb saying it out loud. I know that. I re- that's why I preference it. With it. Like I get it. But stars on Mars, the reason I share this with you is because they're, they're introducing celebrities, these athletes. It's all really cool. And they brought somebody on that I was like, oh man, that's really cool. They had Lance Armstrong. How many of you guys know who Lance Armstrong is? Cool. Good. I'm going, Lance Armstrong, that's really neat. I might be kind of interested in that. Before they introduced Lance Armstrong, they introduced some little, like, 20-year-old girl. She's an actress on a show. I don't know the show. I don't know her. Not familiar. But she's on there, and they bring Lance in, and people are like, oh, my gosh, Lance Armstrong. It's Lance Armstrong. And me, I'm sitting on TV. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Lance Armstrong. And she's like, the girl goes, wow, it's really cool that they would put an actual astronaut on the show and everybody's like, wait, what? Like, what? They're really confused. This girl had no idea who Lance Armstrong was. And I'm sitting here going, how in the world do you not know who Lance Armstrong is? She thought he was Neil Armstrong. She was so confused. And, like, and I'm like, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. I wore one of those yellow bracelets for like four years in a row. Like I was like, I, I, you know, I couldn't imagine someone not knowing who Lance Armstrong is. When your 15 minutes is up, it's up. At some point, that fame will dwindle. At some point, that fame goes away. Now, life is all about balance, right? And you've heard people say that, like, hey, yeah, you know, I watch really stupid TV shows, but I also am a little bit of a history buff. So I do enjoy things like the History Channel. I love watching documentaries, things on old presidents. Like I said, it's not complete. You know, I, I, you know one bad show, one documentary. One bad show, one documentary. So um, I, I especially love things like Revolutionary War and, and, and times like Founding Fathers, things like that, th- those kind of things I get really into. Something I found to be really crazy, and I was super late to this, and I don't know how many of you guys are going to know what I'm talking about. I imagine a lot. It was pretty popular. But somebody decided that, like, back in 2016, he's like, I'm going to make a modern hip-hop version musical of Alexander Hamilton. 
And I was like, I don't get that. That seems weird. Like, but, and it was huge. It was like the biggest thing on Broadway. It's still on Broadway currently, right? This, this musical called Hamilton where they literally talk about the life of Alexander Hamilton, right? Alexander Hamilton. And, and as you think about that kind of stuff and you watch these documentaries, I think about Alexander Hamilton. I think about George Washington. I think about, Lee. they are not famous. They are remembered, they don't have a 15-minute window of fame. They are remembered that centuries after they've passed away, that these names would still be known, that people would still communicate and talk about them, right? We don't talk about people like them just because they had a moment of fame. We talk about them because they made history with their actions. They did something that made an impact. They said and did things that changed the course of human history. Their actions molded the country that we live in today. And so we learn about them in schools. We make movies and shows and musicals and all of this stuff. 200 years after they died, they're not famous. They're remembered. I don't believe they were trying to do that. I don't necessarily believe that it was like, a, hey, I'm going to go and do all these things so that Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to write a version of my life to a Biggie Smalls beat or something. Like, I don't think that was really what he had in mind, I believe that they saw a need and they fought to do the right thing. And because of that, they're remembered. Awesome. Pastor Jared, we're at church. What does that have to do with anything? Thank you for asking. I'm so glad. I share that with you this morning because I believe in my heart that as Christians, we should desire to make a difference that will outlive us. That as Christians, we should desire to make a difference, not for fame, not for recognition, but for impact on the kingdom of God. It is our purpose. It is why we're here. If as Christians, we were intentional about wanting to do things for others, not for recognition, but for a reaction that might change someone's eternity. Do we have that in us? This is not a knock on fame, right? There are famous Christians for sure. I, I'm a big fan of Billy Graham, Charles Stanley, many others that have made incredible impacts for the kingdom of God. I'm not, I'm not saying that fame is like this terrible, awful thing. That's, that's not what I'm getting at. But what I am sharing with you this morning is that there's no doubt that there may be famous people and all that, but, but there are so many more, right? There are so many more uh, who you may never know their name, the world may never know their name, but their impact on the kingdom of God was incredible. They're remembered for eternity in the lives of people that they made a difference in. That they are remembered for eternity. I think of a sweet old lady who decided to pay for some poor kid from Columbus, Georgia to go on his very first youth con trip where he experienced God in a powerful way, where foundations were laid that would later help him grow into a first-generation pastor and change the course of his life and his family's life forever. Is she famous? No. Is she remembered? To me, absolutely. To my family, to my situation, absolutely. The name Walt Schubel. Outside of Eastern Assembly might not be known or celebrated, but to the people whose lives that were he impacted, he's for sure remembered. I never had the opportunity to meet Walt Schubel. But I tell you what, it didn't take long for me and my family to move to 
Dundalk, Maryland to start working at Eastern Assembly before we started hearing story after story after story of an incredible person who loved people, who loved the Lord, who made a difference in people's lives because he wanted them to know how good God was, who served diligently at any opportunity he was willing to do what was needed to be done. He knew how good God was and he needed others to know it as well. Family, if I've heard one story, I've heard hundreds of stories about this man who I never had the privilege of meeting. But I keep hearing him and I keep hearing him and I keep hearing him. Is Walt Schubel famous? No. Is he remembered? Certainly. And I believe that heaven is more crowded because of people like Mr. Walt. I believe that he's made history in the lives of people where he's changed the course of their life, whereas without having that person that stepped in and stepped up and intervened, who knows what their eternity would look like. Some of the most impactful Christians will never be known by name. They just won't. And I think that's okay. I think we have to be comfortable with that. As Christians, we should, we should embrace that. We should accept that. Be grateful for that. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, one of the most impactful people in the Bible is not known by name. It's a story that you've heard preached on so many times and you've heard talked about and it's a huge part of the Bible. But you don't know the name. You don't know the person. You simply know him as a young boy. If you would join with me, we're going to be in John chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 5, and I'm going to read a, a, a very familiar story with you. It's, it starts with Jesus. It says, uh, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Isn't that just such a Jesus thing, right? I love that. Verse 7, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed these people. There's a lot of people. There's a lot going on. And this is my favorite. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? We're going to camp here for a second. I don't know, Andrew. I can't say this to be 100% fact, but I, it sounds a little sarcastic to me if I'm being honest. When I read that, I don't read that as Andrew going, hey, there's a kid with some fish and bread here, but what are we to do? Like, I picture that really honestly as there's some frustrated disciples. Ministry, there's ministry that needs to be done. There's ministry that needs to be done in this large crowd. And listen, as a pastor, I can, I can sympathize with them of going like, man, we weren't quite prepared for this, but we've got all these people. We want to do this. We want to do that. It's stressful, that's why you have to sign up at Grand Central for stuff, because if not, then we stress out. I digress. Um, it's stressful to try to plan and to put all this stuff together, and I imagine the disciples are in a little bit of freak-out mode. We've got to feed these people. If we don't feed them, they're going to leave. If they're going to leave, they're not going to experience. They're not going to hear from Jesus. They're not going to experience him. They're already struggling. They're already troubled. They need something. We need to be able to provide for them. We need to be able to keep them here. We need to feed them. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I believe there's this young boy who goes... I mean, I have, this is what I have, if you want it, like, use it. And I believe that Andrew in a little bit, and I'm picking up, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the youth pastor in me, I'm picking up a little sarcasm, you know, oh, we need food? Well, hey, guess what? Kid brought his Lunchable, save the day, you know, don't know what we can do with that, but hey, check it out, we'll see what this can do. But then as we read in verse 10, Jesus says, tell everyone to sit down. 
He said, so everyone sat down on a grassy slope, and the men alone numbered about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves. He gave thanks to God. Put a pin in that because we're coming right back to that. He gave thanks to God and distributed them to people. After he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. He took what this boy had. He gave thanks to God, and he fed everyone. He even says there was plenty left over. He took what this young boy had. Now, personally, this is a miracle I can get behind, right? Like, a little bit of food, make it a lot of food. I'm all for that. Matter of fact, I even, uh, the way this sort of worked out, I had a student ask me on Tuesday, Michael, he was like, he just kind of said, hey, like, what's the biblical principle by, pr- like, like, praying for your food? Like, why do we pray over their food? I'm like, well, if this isn't a reason to pray over your food, I don't know what is, Right? Like, he prays over this little bit of fish, and he gets a whole lot of food. Some of y'all, you're going to be ridiculous. I bet you'll be at Texas Roadhouse after church going like, God, make this six-ounce steak that I ordered and that I can afford, and I'm just praying, God, for you to, you know, if a 12-ounce shows up on the plate, won't he do it? Like, you just, you pray about it. You laugh if you want to, but we had this conversation. We talked about this. Michael and I were at Waffle House on Friday. And we're sitting there and we're talking like, I don't know about you, I pray over my food, right? Because I, I, I serve a God who performs miracles and, and he can double it up. And we're saying, we pray over the food. I wish I was making this up, hand to Bible and everything. 20 seconds later, the, wait, the waitress walks up and goes, hey, we made extra hash browns with cheese. I said, boy, you don't praise God right now if you don't make some noise for Jesus. So y'all, y'all can sit there and start eating if you want to, but I would suggest when you go to lunch, take a moment and give God his blessing I wouldn't, that's, that's, that's up to you. I would be at Chipotle later. God, can't you just double this, like, in the name of Jesus? I, I've, I've heard this sermon preached so many times. And I'm sure you've heard this sermon preached so many times. And, and Jesus feeding the 5,000, it's an amazing miracle. It really is. It's incredible. But this morning isn't about that. This morning isn't about what we know Jesus can do. It's about a young boy who made a huge impact on the kingdom of God by simply stepping up and giving what he had to give. If we could recognize giving what he had to give, did he know what Jesus was going to do with that? I don't know. I don't really think so. I think he saw a need and he got involved. That's what I believe. From the context of scripture that I'm looking at is he saw a need and he got involved. People are hungry, I have food. What do you do when people are hungry and you have food? You do what? You go, hey, here's, here's my food. He's not looking at it of going, but there's, there's 15,000 people out here. What are we going to do with your snack pack? But like he didn't care about that. That wasn't his problem. That wasn't his problem. His problem was, hey, I have food, you need food, here's my food. And guess what? The Lord did the rest. The Lord did the rest. The young boy gave what he had to give, and Jesus did the rest, and the rest was miraculous. Miracles happened because he simply gave what he had to give. He saw a need, and he wanted to meet a need. Do you believe there was kingdom impact? I do. I believe there was people there. It says that the crowd came. They needed Jesus. They needed something from him. They were looking for something from him. They were hurting. They were struggling. They were lost. And there was people that were able to stay. 
Maybe they could wait patiently for their moment. Maybe they could sit there and they could, they could hear the word that he had to preach or they had that moment to be prayed over. Did it, did it have kingdom impact? I believe absolutely. Do we know that young boy's name? Unless you're reading a different Bible than me, then no. If you do, share it with me after church. I'll, I'll look into it. We don't know his name. But in the lives of the people that experienced Jesus that day, do you think they remember him? I believe he's remembered. I believe we're talking about him right now because he simply saw a need and he wanted to meet a need. The young boy gave what he had to give and Jesus did the rest. The rest was miraculous. This is the kind of God that we serve. This is what we experience when it comes to to how we're supposed to live. So my question that I have for you this morning, what I want to ask everyone in this room right now, is what impact can you make for the kingdom of God? What can you do? Whose life can you change for eternity? Where can you make history in the life of someone who's lost and destined for hell? That's my question for you this morning. It doesn't take fame. It doesn't require some huge grand gesture. It simply requires us as Christians to see a need and to meet a need, to get involved. That's where there's impact. That's where life changed. God will work with that. God will do something with that, amen? And we not only get to experience God, we not only get to experience and feel the power of God in our own lives, we get to share that power and love of God to others, to the people that we come in contact with. In reality, family, and this is what I'm here to share with you this morning, that's why we exist. I, I, one of the hardest things about being a youth pastor, young adult pastor, is having conversations and, and, uh, of, of people who are struggling and dealing with things and just like hearing them out and going, it ultimately coming back to, you know, Pastor, I just wish I had purpose. I just feel like I don't have a purpose. I feel like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm confused, I'm lost, I don't have a purpose. And I respect that and I get that. And, I, you know, th- through prayer and conversation, the biggest thing that I want to help people understand is we were lost until we found Jesus. But once we found Jesus, let me share this with you. It's not good enough for you to go, oh, I'm so grateful I found Jesus. I have Jesus. Things are better for me. That's great. I'm going to go back home now. No. Then you have purpose. God has plans for you to say you have been saved by grace. You have been bought by the blood of Jesus. But guess what? There are those out there that don't know it. Now you have the responsibility to go do something about it. That's what we're here for. That's why we exist. And so there's this lack of purpose because I believe that, you know, we're not designed for this selfish nature or this selfish attitude that we hold on to even as Christians sometimes. Where we worry about ourselves, we care for ourselves. You know, I think that the desire for fame is at an all-time high right now because, like I said, I believe it's, it's easily acquired. But I also believe that there's a problem that we face in this world where the world is telling us something. That, that right now, selfishness is at an all-time high. The one thing you hear the world repeating over and over and over again is worry about yourself. Do what makes you happy. Take care of yourself. You We've become what I believe is a me society. Everything's about me. What do I like? I'm not going to preach about that in the church because we'll be here for another two hours, but it exists there as well. Where we go, me, 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 me. What do I like? What do I want? Does this fit me? What about me? I don't know if I care for this or, oh, I don't, I'm not going to do this because I don't like this or me, 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 me. 
And that's what the world keeps pushing on us. Is well, you gotta do what makes you happy. Be where you feel like you belong. It's all about you and you and, and just it's a personal thing. It's, 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 you know, it's a selfish thing. The world tells you to worry about yourself and take care of yourself. Yet the Bible tells us to love others as we love ourselves. To love others the way Christ loves us. The Bible tells us something completely different than what the world tells us. And the Bible repeats it often. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Go. Other people. Worry about other people. The common theme in the Bible and Christianity is us taking care of other people, helping other people. There's no selfishness in that. There's no selfishness in that. We have to stop that. We have to be completely counter opposite of what the world is pushing on us and say that as Christians, if we know and believe in God is good, then guess what? We have to have others know and believe that God is good. It's not enough for us to hold it into ourselves. We have to give it to other people. We have to take it to other people. And I don't know about you, but I'm trying to follow the Bible. I don't, I don't want to do what's popular. Here's the reality. This is the uncomfortable part. Doing that is not going to bring you fame. It's not going to bring you fortune. It's not going to bring celebrity. But in every single life that you touch, in every single soul where you change their eternity, you will be remembered forever for the impact you are willing to make for every person that you diligently pray over, for every person where you see a need and you step up and meet a need because you say, you know what, you're trying to do all this the wrong way and I know the answer's found in Jesus. I know what you need and I wanna help you get there. I wanna be there for you. I wanna pray for you. I wanna, I wanna help you in any way possible. I wanna serve. I wanna give. I wanna be generous. I wanna do whatever it takes for other people to see and know what it's like to serve a God who loves you and cares for you. It doesn't bring fame. It doesn't, but for eternity, you could have impacted someone's life and changed their forever. And I believe that if we focus on that, Wayne, you can head on up here as we get ready to land the plane. If we focus on that, it, it, it's, it's going to be a struggle. It's hard to care for other people, isn't it? It's tough sometimes. It's tough, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot easier to care about yourself and to worry about yourself, but man, if people only knew what you knew, if people could only experience what you experience, but the reality is that I have a hard time believing there's very many people in this room that got here on their own, that it wasn't the prayers of a mother or a grandmother that it wasn't a friend that reached out and, and said, hey, I need you to come to church. It wasn't something where someone was able to speak into your life and make an impact in your life. Other people, if you think about your own story and the people that helped you get to where you are, that helped you get into that relationship with the Lord, if we think about that, if we focus on that, we realize that we didn't come to this point on our own. So how can we expect other people to? Instead, we get comfortable. We go to church and go, well, this is, this is nice. This is good. I like the worship. Good job, Pastor Wayne. Good worship. Pastor Ed brings a good message. Sometimes he turns the air on in here. It's pretty comfortable. I like it. I'll go to church on Sundays. 
The O's don't come on till later. If they play earlier, I'll go to first service. I'll show up. I'll hang out. And then I'll go home. But that wasn't how you got here. So why should it be any different for us? Family, there are lost people out there who are hurting. There are family members you have right now that have no idea what it means to spend an eternity in heaven. You have friends and neighbors and co-workers who have no idea. And yet we have a job to do. We have a responsibility. We have a purpose. If no one's told you today, you have a purpose. It's an incredible purpose. It may not bring all the glory. But you can be involved in a story that changes someone's family. Not just that person, but their kids. Their kids' kids. Simply because you saw a need and you wanted to meet a need. So here's what I'm going to ask this morning. Before we leave, and I'm going I'm to beg you, give, give us just a little bit of time. For everyone in this room, I guarantee you can think of someone in your life who doesn't know the Lord. You can think of someone in your life that needs to know what you know and that God is good. I want you to think of that person right now. Let God reveal that person to you. And in just a moment, we're going to come up to this altar and I want to beg you to just come up here. Let's just give God a little bit of our time. And we're going to start by praying. Be intentional, family. If it's a kid, a grandkid, if it's a relative, I know, I know that it's tough. I know that it's difficult. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. If it's a friend, a coworker, you never know. You never know how God could use you in some kind of incredible way that could change their story forever. Be intentional. Can we be intentional this morning? going to open up these altars right now. If you would just join me, come up to this front and we're going to stand here together. We're going to come in together. I want you to think of someone, bring someone to mind and we're going to come up here and I want you to pray. Pastor Wayne's going to play some music and we're going to pray. I want you, don't be afraid to say their name out loud, but I want you to be intentional. If you don't have anybody, if you don't have a, a, a name or something, I want you to get say right now is an opportunity to say, God, you got to use me. I'm not ready to stand on the sidelines in this whole ministry thing. I'm not trying to just sit here and be like, well, you know, I go to church and stuff. That's cool. Like if you're not going to, I'm a football coach, so like I'm big on like, hey, if you're going to play the game, you better get out there and play it. You better do something about it. And, and at some point, we've got to be intentional. We can't be comfortable with standing on the sidelines. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have someone right now, you need to get real serious about who can you make an impact for because our purpose is to help those who don't know the Lord come to know the Lord. That's why we exist. 
And so we're going to pray. Pastor Wayne's going to play. And we're going to take a moment and lift them up. And believe and know, say, God, use me. God, use me. God, it's not good enough for me to know you. I need those who are lost to know that you're good. I can't stand by and watch my family and friends be destined for an eternity in hell. It's not good enough for me to come to church, God. We need to make an impact. I know there's people in here who say, Pastor Jared, I, I, I'm still figuring this, this whole Christian thing out myself. I'm still, God's still working on me and moving in me. Let me say something to you this morning from experience. One of the greatest things you could ever do is to live a life that has changed from who you were before you found God. One of the greatest things you can do is for others to see and go, you know what? I knew him before he was saved, and he's not the same person. I knew them before they started going to church. I knew them before they gave their life to their Lord, and I don't know what it is, but something's different about them. And when people see that, they can see and know and experience that God is real, and that if he can do it for you, he can do it for other people, family. But we have to live that life we have to be that person. If you're the same person you were before you gave your life to the Lord, then what, what really happened? At some point, something changes. We stop making it about us, and we start making it about God. Helping those who don't know the Lord. Serving, loving, giving. Sometimes the greatest thing you can do is be selfless around selfish people because they don't understand what's going on. They get confused. They start asking questions. This isn't a call for you to go home and start smacking family members over the head with Bibles. This is a call to show those who are lost that there is a way to find peace, to find joy, to find comfort. There's a place where you can be forgiven, where you can be restored. There's a place where you can find hope and you can find purpose. For everyone that's up here, I want to encourage you to never stop praying, to never stop being intentional. That if it may not happen overnight, but when everything, with everything that you do, with every part of who you are, if you are intentional with showing them how good God is, you continue to pour, you continue to push, you continue to pray, you continue to love, you continue to give, see a need, meet a need.
provide that peace and hope that God gives. And don't ever stop. At some point, at some point, family, we have, we have to have it in us to say, I'm not comfortable with people not knowing the Lord. I'm not comfortable with the people in my circle, the people in my life, not at least having an opportunity to see how good God is. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we worship you. Father God, we thank you for everything that you've done in our life. God, I pray for every person in this room, God, that as we are here and hearing your word, God, that we would know and experience your goodness. God, not to a point of, 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 of self-benefit, but God, we would feel that you're so good in a way that we wouldn't be able to keep it to ourselves. That God, we would need other people to see. We would need other people to know. God, change us and move us in a way, God, that becomes contagious to those around us. Change our heart. God, change our mind. God, change our mouth. Work on us, God. Move in us, God. So that we can be a walking, talking, living, breathing testimony of your goodness. So that when people just, they can't have lunch with us without seeing something different. They can't have a phone call with us without knowing that something's changed. That there's something powerful, that there's something good in us, God. And that what is good is you. Move in us, Lord. Help us move into the lives of others. We love you, God. We're grateful that you love us. And we're not gonna stop, Lord. We're not gonna stop. We're gonna keep on. We wanna make history in the lives of those that are lost. We wanna make eternal impact. Not for their today, God, but for their forever. We love you, God. We praise you, Lord. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Listen, before we leave this morning, this is good stuff, right? We come to church, we worship, we hear God's word, but it's what we do when we walk out that door. It's what happens between Sunday afternoon to the following Sunday. That's our ministry. That's what we get to do. Go find somebody. Help someone know how good God is. Help them see how good God is. Help them experience how good God is by the way you treat them, by the, by the way you speak to them, by the way. Listen, your waiters and waitresses right now, let me tell you right now, pray over your food, that's sure, but make sure you show everyone you talk to what it means to have your life changed and restored to the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. We love you, family. Have a great week.